It's been said that for the first time in American history, the United States now receives more missionaries from overseas than it actually sends out. Well, if that's true, what does it say about the spiritual health of the American church? And what does it say about the future of our country, the place that our kids call home? Well, if there is a silver lining, it might be that, well, foreign missionaries have indeed come to evangelize and right in our own backyard. But what exactly is this evangelism thing anyway? And why is it so important that we not only learn to practice it, but, well, we teach our kids about it and teach our kids to do likewise? We'll find out next on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello, and thanks for joining us for today's edition of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and, by extension, helping their families as well. I'm Rich Rosel. Our host on the program is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry. And, uh, Trace, I know a lot of the kids who come here to Shepherd's Hill have come from homes where their parents would claim to be Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all, but certainly most. Sure. And many of those families would claim to be evangelical Christians. So one's got to think that many, if not all, of these kids have heard the gospel before. So mm-hmm. how do you respond to the skeptic who would say that evangelism didn't seem to help the kids and families who ended up here? Yeah, well— that's a hard question to answer because, you know, I don't really know the heart and the spiritual habits of every individual family we serve here at Shepherd's Hill. Uh, I, I think a lot of our families uh, are struggling, you know, just like you and me, uh, just to do the best to glorify God, you know, right where we're planted. And, you know, as you know, Rich, even the best parents can do it all right uh, at home and still end up with kids that, you know, are going to rebel against the truth. Um, plus, we live in a culture that's, you know, constantly undermining Christian parents and their biblical worldview 24-7 these days. Uh, these are indeed uh, difficult times to be a parent, especially for Christian parents. So if, if Christians are nervous to, evan- or if Christians were nervous, rather, to uh, evangelize before, uh, for whatever reason, today's increased hostility to our faith has certainly got to add to why evangelism seems to make a, a, a lot of Christians even more nervous than ever. And of course, Christian parents are no exception. I think we also have a fear of, of, of messing things up somehow, or maybe it's the fear of rejection, or perhaps we're not as confident in our faith as we say we are. Uh, think about it, though. In, in a way, the God of the universe is, is using you and me to do his bidding. Uh, that's a heavy-duty responsibility. Very heavy. You know, one that many people are more comfortable neglecting than obeying. But as opportunity presents itself, if we can just get past those fears uh, and our kids can see us talking to people about Jesus and and what he's done in our lives uh, and at the cross, they'll be much more likely, I believe, to do the same thing. But like I said, we're battling a depraved culture right now, Uh, one addicted to the idols of entertainment, pleasure, and self. Uh, just gaining a hearing may be the toughest part of the whole thing uh, Mm. because people are preoccupied more than ever before. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it depends on how a person is wired. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. But to me, evangelism seems to be more of a mindset uh, as much or more than a strategic plan. And though it's easy to just, you know, kind of cruise through this life under the radar without really engaging people with the gospel very much, it's also easy to beat up ourselves, uh, you know, uh, pound on ourselves uh, uh, because we don't regularly knock on people's doors like Jehovah's Witnesses or we're not blowing bullhorns in the street corner like some guys do. Uh, we have a tendency to say, well, maybe we're second-class citizens of the kingdom for that. But either way, we have to know that our kids are watching, you know, what kind of priority that we 
put on evangelism. Uh, I know some of the most rewarding times in my own life is when I would share the gospel with someone knowing that my son or daughter was getting a, a, as blessed as I was by the positive response of the person I was talking to. Uh, there's, a, there's a spiritual rush of sorts that, that goes with that, especially when you know that you know, maybe God's uh, bringing you some divine inspiration during the process. So I think sharing our faith with others in the presence of our kids is at least one good way of getting our kids comfortable with sharing their faith with others also. But uh, I'll defer to today's guest because I'm pretty sure that uh, he can give us a ray of comfort regarding this issue because, after all, <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's known for being one of the world's premier evangelists. So mm-hmm. uh, let's yeah. defer to today's guest. We, we certainly will, and uh, you've already given away who today's guest is. Uh, ray Comfort is the founder and CEO of Living Waters. He's also a best-selling author of more than 80 books, including God Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life, How to Know God Exists, and The Evidence Bible. Ray co-hosts the award-winning television program Way of the Master that's airing in almost 200 countries now. He's the executive producer of a number of films, including 180, Evolution vs. God, Audacity, and many other films. Uh, Ray is married to Sue. He's got three grown children. And speaking of evangelism... Ray says he hasn't left his house without gospel tracks for decades. So there. <laughs> He's always prepared in season and out. By the way, uh, Ray is another of our repeat offenders, a person who's been a guest on a past program and for some reason has dared to return. And for that, we are very grateful. Ray, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it's not three grown children, it's three groaning children. Groaning? Okay. All right. Well, Ray, can you give us the biblical definition of evangelism as, as you understand it? Yes, it's going somewhere you don't want to go to tell people something I don't want to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and often, I often say that. And, uh, and, and, but, uh, you know, because hell exists, we, we cannot be, live a life of self-indulgence. You know, if, if, I think the modern church has forgotten about the reality of hell. Um, yeah, Jesus spoke more of hell than he did of heaven. And we've got many people in pulpits that should have been plumbers or electricians. They're anything but the sons of thunder, preaching righteousness in the great congregation. Yeah. And so uh, we, we need to go back and talk about the nature of God. And that's what evangelism is. It's, it's that we want to present every man perfect in Christ because they have to face a, face a perfect God who has a perfect law. And one who says, be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect, and we need a Savior. And so, um, i just got to say this, evangelism is a scary thing. I, I have problems with fear all the time. When I see someone uh, across the street uh, walking towards me, I want to stay across the street. Uh, I want to do everything I can to avoid it, because it's, I, don't, I don't like rejection. But love provokes me. So I tell people, don't pray for less fear, pray for more oh, love. love. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. the problem. And love is incredibly powerful. Uh, let me give a little uh, analogy, if I may, that I think is very uh, applicable to what we're talking about. You're at a friend's swimming pool. It's not heated, and you're standing around with some other friends, and you're going to dive in. And if you're anything like me, you hesitate because of the coldness of the water on your flesh. You stand there, and they say, come on in. And you say, oh, no, it looks cold. And you're hesitating because you're fearful it's going to be cold on your flesh. Let me change up the same scenario just a little. You look into the pool and your four-year-old child has fallen in and he's drowning. Do you hesitate? Are you fearful? Are you worried about your flesh? Do you need your friends to coax you in? No, you just 
dive in because of the power of love. And the waters of personal evangelism are freezing. They hurt the flesh. I think the people who object to that analogy would say you can physically see your son or daughter in the water and therefore, of course, you're not going to hesitate. But the premise is that there is a heaven and a hell that you and I both have, Ray, uh, that the, the person we're talking to may not have. And uh, so how do we overcome that obstacle when we're approaching them from a premise that the person we're trying to evangelize does not have? Well, it's very important to realize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds. And God has placed uh, an ally right in the heart of the enemy, the sinner's conscience, which will always affirm the truth of the commandment. That is, when you say to someone, you know, it's wrong to steal, don't you? And they'll say, yeah, I do. It's wrong to commit adultery, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Why? Because of the conscience, the work of the law written on the heart. Mm-hmm. Conscience means with knowledge. Con is with science is knowledge. So if I, if I wanted to convince you to put a parachute on or on a, when we're on a plane, I think the best thing I could do for you is to hang you out the plane by your ankles for about five seconds. And you're going to say, hoo, 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 give me that parachute because your good sense will kick in. So if you use the weapons that God has given you, the commandments that bring the knowledge of sin, and appeal to the conscience, which affirms the truth of the commandments, you're going to cause people to tremble at the thought of standing before God to a point where their good sense will kick in and they mm-hmm. say, well, what must I do to be saved? There's nothing like an earthquake to open the eyes of a Philippian jailer and put the fear of God in his heart. And what you can do is give someone their own little personal earthquake with the law of God. Fear is actually a good thing. We tend to, to downcry it, but right. it can be a good thing. Yeah. Fear makes us put on our seatbelt. It makes us put on a parachute. It keeps us back from a thousand-foot cliff. So fear is good, and the Bible says, through the fear of the Lord, men depart from sin or men depart from evil. So if you ever watch our videos, uh, on, on, I don't get into arguments about the existence of God or the infallibility of Scripture or the deity of Christ or hypocrites in the church. I mean, I touch on them, but I don't get into arguments about them. Because I know that I can appeal to the conscience any time during that argument. It's, it's like, you know, we, we start the game, and so we call the play. You don't let a sinner take you down rabbit trail. You know where you want to go. You want to bring someone to the foot of the cross, and you've got a way to do it. You follow what Jesus did and use the commandments. So hell becomes a necessity once you talk about the righteousness of God and the goodness of God and, and want to... Uh, See that equity comes to pass on the day of judgment. Well, Ray, I want to challenge that conscience premise uh, because uh, I get it all the time uh, from the kids we deal with here, from you know people I deal with, uh, places I go to speak, and things like that. Uh, what pricks the conscience of of your my generation? Uh, may no longer prick the conscience of uh, kids from this generation. And I'm thinking largely of the LGBT community. You know, when you and I were growing up, uh, even if you were struggling with LGBT issues, you would never bring that up. Today, these people are so flamboyant and and so out there. uh, Young kids, uh, they're searing the consciences of these kids uh, to where they're allowing them, you know, at age eight, to uh, have be preparing themselves, these kids, for gender reassignment surgery. And it doesn't appear anyway to bother their conscience. So is, is this a natural consequence of a culture that's uh, become depraved? Uh, is this God's uh, way of um, 
of judging us, a Romans 1 type of judgment saying, look, you want it your way? Have it your way. Uh, your conscience is now seared. That is a biblical principle. How do we, how do we deal with that? Is, 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 is there ever a time where we look at a human being square in the eye and we just have to, after some dialogue, walk on by him and say, next, you know, like the rich young ruler, Jesus, let the guy go. He, he gave him the conditions. The guy wouldn't, uh, wasn't up for it and he let him go. How do we deal with that? Yeah, I, I think it's really important to understand the meaning of the word seer. I, I saw uh, on television once uh, years ago, I was in Hawaii ministering, somebody has to do it, and I saw a chef. He says, I'm going to sear the steak. It was done. Mm-hmm. It was just on the outside, searing. It wasn't all the way through. And so you, you've, got to, you've got to believe the word when it says God has given light to every man. Um, and, and use the sharp knife of God's law to cut into that conscience. And very rarely will you find somebody whose conscience is absolutely dead. You know, we, we, uh, we tend to give up on people, but I never give up on people unless they're dead. If they've yeah. got life in them, uh, I'm, I'm going to plead with them and put my arms around their legs. Uh, you know, like the homosexual, for instance, uh, Romans, uh, sorry, First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. For the law was made for homosexuals. The law was made for homosexuals, says that in verse 10. So when I meet a homosexual, and I know he's a homosexual, because you can often tell, I know that in his mind, he's waiting for a fundamentalist, narrow-minded, bigot, hate-filled person to try and push religion down his throat. So what I do is I don't mention his homosexuality. I don't need to. I don't want to talk about it. I just use the law to bring the knowledge of sin and say, so you think you're a good person, Eric? He says, oh, yeah. So how many lies are you told? You ever stolen something? You ever used God's name? ever looked with lust. I don't mention gender. And they say, yeah. I'll say, Eric, you've told me you're a lying, thieving, adulterate heart. Now, I haven't mentioned homosexuality because he's got his boxing gloves on. He's ready for me. But I've shown him he's in big trouble on judgment day and he desperately needs a savior. And I have the confidence that when he comes to Christ and is born again, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. He'll be born again with a new heart, with new desires, including a sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. So that's my confidence. We're we're told to preach the gospel to every creature and not get to fights and to fights with people. You know, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. So I've got to witness to many homosexuals, show them they need a savior without even mentioning the agenda. Now, when they're humbled by the law and they say, man, I'm in big trouble. What should I do? So you are in big trouble. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 10. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Uh, and then it says uh, a, a list of all those that won't come into the kingdom of God, including adulterers and homosexuals and fornicators. And so it shows them that that homosexuality is a sin on a par with adulteries. And just as I'd warn an adulterer because I love him, I'm going to warn a homosexual because I love him. So I don't think this generation is beyond redemption. I don't think we're at Romans 1 just yet because where sin abounds, there does much more grace abound. And there's also... Casting pearls before swine is a scripture that we often use to justify giving up on somebody, but I don't think it means what we think it means. Um, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Pearls are only uh, trampled underfoot by pigs because the pigs don't understand how precious the pearls are. Mm -hmm. And the gospel is only trampled underfoot by the ungodly because they don't realize how precious the gospel is. So what you have to do is back it up, a little and make the gospel precious by preaching the law and showing the cure is 
desperately needed by the patient. And so someone, at one point of time, we consider them trampling underfoot the gospel. You back up and say, do you think you're a good person? Take them through the commandments. Show them hell is a reality. Wrath of God abides on them. And they need a savior. Suddenly the gospel becomes precious to them. And so, like I said, my criteria for someone to hear the gospel is, are they breathing? And if they are, I'll give it a go. <laughs> right. Well, parents, I hope you're listening to this. And if you're raising a, a rebel and he appears uh, to be uh, a, a person with a seared conscience or a reprobate, which is another word that we might have to deal with, uh, I hope you take comfort in what Ray has just told you. Yeah. We're talking today with Ray Comfort, the founder and CEO of Living Waters, best-selling author of more than 80 books, which you can find on Amazon.com and also at livingwaters.com. And we're talking about the need for evangelism, both in evangelizing your kids and leading your kids to become evangelists in their own right. We'll be back with more conversation with Ray Cuffert and our host, Trey Simbry, in just a moment. This is Licensed to Parent. In the training of our children, what role should public school play? Documentarian Colin Gunn takes a panoramic exploration of this issue by hopping in a school bus for a field trip all over America in the DVD Indoctrination. Colin conducts a series of candid interviews and discovers how God's recipe for training the next generation is being replaced with a humanistic, man-centered program that fragments the family and undermines the influence of the church and the Great Commission. Christian teachers and principals share how they're attempting to walk the tightrope between teaching what they do not believe and being restricted from their God-given call to be salt and light. Indoctrination, Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America. Available in the Licensed to Parent store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen Rebellion, Depression, Addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month, Christ-centered, nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Ray Comfort, founder and CEO of livingwaters.com and uh, an author of a number of books that, uh, to my way of thinking, really turn the whole aspect of what it means to be a Christian on its head. He addresses it with humor, with love, with compassion, and always uh, with uh, specific and direct biblical uh, foundation in everything I've seen him write and do. He's uh, also host of Way of the Master, which you may have seen, a video series that's uh, been shown all over the planet, I think. And Trace, we've been talking about evangelism with Ray. Ray, I'm I'm curious as to whether you have to be an evangelist if you are a born-again Christian. 
No, definitely not, because the Bible says there is the gift of the evangelist to the church, mm-hmm. and then there is evangelism. Um, the, 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 the evangelist is to equip the church for the work of the ministry. That's the job, we're to stir people up and prick their conscience and say, people are going to hell, don't you care, is your heart still made of stone? Um, but evangelism is for every Christian. People are going to hell, and we need to warn them. We're like survivors in the lifeboat of the Titanic, and all around us, people are drowning. Now, if you want, you can polish the brass on the lifeboat, but I would rather you lean out and pull people into the lifeboat. That's what evangelism is. Evangelism is love and action. And when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, it's kind of a reproach on human nature that he even had to do that. You know, everlasting life is a free gift of God. We should be shouting it from the housetops. We shouldn't let fear come near us because of what we've got. Imagine a doctor having a cure to cancer, but he keeps it to himself because he's fearful that people might reject him or laugh at him when he first mm-hmm. mentions it. Mm-hmm. No, Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So if we, if we love God and we love people, we cannot but help reach out to them. The commandment says you to love your neighbor as yourself, so we should be as concerned for somebody else's salvation as we're concerned for ours. In fact, if you're not concerned for your neighbor's salvation, I'm concerned for yours. Charles Spurgeon mm. said, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself, be sure of that. Mm. Love cannot sit on a pew while people sink, are sinking to hell. And Good I'm point. horrified daily with the thought that people are going to hell. Paul says, wherefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So often, when people don't evangelize, the problem is they worship an idol. They don't know the terror of the Lord. They don't have the fear of God. They've got a snuggly, cuddly divine butler uh, or a celestial Santa Claus as their image of God, and he doesn't stir them enough to obey him. So every Christian, I believe, is not only called but commanded to reach out to the lost. Well, let let me ask this along those lines, though. If we are all called to be part of the body of Christ and we're not all hands, some of us are hands, some feet, some whatever in the, you know, metaphorical body here— um, might there be someone who perhaps um, is very good at, at raising money, for example, and can therefore say his gift is funding the missionary work, funding this, making other things happen because his gifting is in bringing money into the kingdom. And is that his role in evangelism? Yeah, right. Or, or is it that he needs to be doing what Ray Comfort is doing? Articulating and, things. Exactly. Being, being the, the voice box. Well, whoever this guy is, please tell him to contact our ministry. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you get my point, though. We we don't all have the same gifting. I know a pastor, for example, who's a great preacher in front of a congregation, but as an individual, he's very shy and gets tongue-tied when he's having one-on-one conversations. Yeah, here's a little problem here. It's like somebody wins a marathon, and when he wins the marathon, someone runs up to him and say, man, that was incredible. You're so gifted. The one who just run, won the marathon would turn around and say, what are you talking about? I'm not gifted. This took hard work. I've been training for, training for, for three years, 30 miles a week, denying myself great food. Look at these muscles. Look at the sweat. Now, this was hard work to win this race. What do you mean gift? And you might listen to my gifting and say, boy, he's so eloquent. But you don't realize I've fallen on my face. I've got bruises. I've got sweat. I've done things wrong. And the only reason I, I can do what I can do is because I've done it. And the Bible says, study to show yourself proved a workman. that needs not be ashamed. So that pastor who's shy needs to break free from his shyness and say, my shyness is nothing compared to the fact that people are going to hell. 
And that's, that stirs me. And when he preaches from the pulpit, he'll reproduce of his own kind. So instead of producing comfortable Christians like he is who are shy, he'll reproduce of himself by saying, folks, I know you're shy. I'm shy. We don't know what to say. Uh, but I went to the racquetball club this week and I talked to a guy about our salvation. And his congregation will say, boy, the pastor condescends to the lowly task of evangelism. He's doing what Jesus did, what the apostles did, what the early church did. I'm going to do the same because he's leading me by example. So at the moment, we have a body of Christ that is handless. We've got a little finger with a pinky with a, with a broken, <laughs> that's broken. The laborers are few. People are going to hell. And we need to, we need to say, hey, we need to move as one body and reach out our hand to the lost. Like the withered man with a withered hand, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Right. It only got healed when he stretched it forth. So let's stretch ourselves and let God do a miracle through us and reach the lost. For the son or daughter who, who is a believer, or, you know, genuine believer, do you have any counsel for how parents can excite their kids about using the Internet as an evangelistic tool? Yes, absolutely. Um, our YouTube channel has just under 52 million views. Awesome. We walk around, walk around the ministry here just shaking our head because I know from past experience that when there were big crusades where combined churches were combined for church crusades, 30, 40 years ago, they get 50,000 people into a stadium. But I had the, uh, the knowledge that because it's a combined church crusade full of combined churches, that 90% of the people in there are probably Christians. And not only that, it's taken two years to herd the cats together to get the churches to combine. And not only that, it's cost like millions of dollars in advertising and insurances, etc. But with the internet, it's free. And we've got 52 million views, and a lot of them are non-Christians. Yeah. Most of them are non-Christians in that sense, because a lot hate our ministry, you can tell. And, but they're listening to the gospel, and they're, they're watching our videos. So uh, we, we have on our website movies and videos that are free. We don't even have advertising on them that can be shared with unsaved people. And there's a lot of stuff that's free, especially Hell's Best Kept Secret and True and False Conversion, which are on the homepage. And they are kind of the essence of what we've talked about today. And like you mentioned, we mentioned before, uh, the book, You Can Bring Your Children to Christ, How to Bring Your Children to Christ and Keep Them There, uh, is, a, is a great book. And it's written in a New Zealand accent, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Ray Comfort. Ray is the founder and CEO of livingwaters.com, a best-selling author with more than 40 books uh, under his pen. Uh, you can find many of those on Amazon.com and also, of course, at his website, livingwaters.com. And as Ray just mentioned, if you want a connection to those YouTube videos, there is a link on the website, but you can also go to, to YouTube. And, and Ray, are they posted under uh, the Living Waters channel or the Ray Comfort channel or... What do you look for there? Yeah, it's Living Waters channel, but we've crossed the top of our homepage on livingwaters.com. We've got movies, and if you just click there, you can find the movies. Easy and, enough. And the YouTube channel. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for taking time out of your day-to-day -to, -day to, to evangelize us. Yes, and sir. To the, uh, into the importance of evangelism in the family, and we hope that our listeners will take this to heart and begin applying it, because that's the first change that's necessary in order to help our kids get turned around. So thank you. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been an honor. And this wraps up another edition of License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And as I've mentioned in the past, we produce this program for one main reason, and that's to share the hard lessons that come from working with troubled teens day after day in hopes that your family might avoid some of the heartache, avoid the need for a residential program for your teen, 
and, and basically get things turned around in your own family. Now, as always, if you can help us financially, and we hope you will, that will make such a difference in the work we do here and to many other families. Please click the donate button at the top of the page at licensedtoparent.org and become one of our ministry partners. Your gift can help the work we do at Shepherd's Hill and can also provide scholarships to help families who need residential care but can't afford it. And of course, it helps keep this program on the air. Just click the donate button when you visit licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Roslin, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.